Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Buffalo Bills fans, welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Buffalo Bills podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, being joined as always by my colleague and esteemed co-host Jamie D'Amico. Jamie, great to have you back, buddy. Man, if I wasn't on this podcast with you right now, I'd be pulling my hair out. I've been looking forward to it for two weeks, man. Yeah, we. Uh, I, I texted Jamie last week and I said, hey, Jamie, here's your Mother's Day gift. We're not going to record a podcast on Sunday so you can spend time with your loved ones. And I know we took my mom out for a nice celebration as well. It was nice to have a, a week off, but really... Even during the offseason, Jamie, the wheels are always spinning when it comes to uh, our beloved Buffalo Bills and talking about the issues that are affecting this team. And, you know, it's 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 one of those things we're going to have a lot of time this offseason. We're not going to do, you know, mandatory mini camp highlights or, you know, any talking about the jersey numbers that the rookie class have picked out for themselves. We instead, uh, for this podcast, uh, we want to talk about And we hit on this briefly in our recap podcast from the draft, but with the Bills taking Miami's Gregory Russo in the first round and taking Carlos Boogie Basham Jr. in the second round, there's now a glut of defensive ends. I believe there's nine uh, that are currently on this roster, and the Bills can't keep nine. I mean, (laughs) it's just a numbers game. They can't keep that many defensive ends out there. So there's going to be some people that are on the outside looking in at defensive ends. And we thought it'd be kind of fun to go through and just do a, you know, we did a state of the defensive line position podcast before the draft. Now we want to do a kind of refresh on what the Russo and Basham draft selections mean for the rest of the defensive ends. So Jamie, let's start there. First and foremost of the, before we go through and break down the nine, um, what are your thoughts on Russo and Basham? And are they more talent for this year? Or were they both drafted with an eye towards 2022 and beyond uh, when the Bills are really going to have a need at the defensive end spot? I have to say something that actually bothered me from the draft is you have a team in the Buffalo Bills that was a game away from the Super Bowl. And one of the reasons they couldn't run with Kansas City is their inability to get after Patrick Mahomes. Now, granted, it's apples to oranges because he was missing three offensive linemen in the Super Bowl. But you saw what could happen when you take Mahomes off his spots. I mean, literally, 
with the amount that he was running around in the Super Bowl trying to evade the rush, nobody could have been successful in, in that situation. So I really wanted the Bills to get pass rushers, but not at the expense of an immediate impact player. And that sort of frustrates me because both of these guys seem like dudes that were picked with 2022 in mind, 2023 in mind, players that they expect to develop that may not necessarily be hard hitters performance-wise in 2021. I don't know if I like that approach. I feel like maybe the value wasn't there at other positions. If that's the case, trade down. Get somebody who can start right away. You know that you could get a corner that could start out of the gate. You know that you could get a guard that could that could start. Uh, maybe a running back, though. I I wouldn't, um, you know, I wouldn't be happy with a running back. But I'm not sure I like the strategy. So it's interesting for those who are are listening and do not know both of these edge rushers that Buffalo drafted had first round grades. And at some point they were projected to go in the middle to end of the first round. I saw Russo as high as 15, 16 Basham was being consistently mentioned in the late mid to late twenties um, as being picks who could go in the first round. And we all know Brandon Bean who listens to the podcast wants to get value, wants to get bang for the buck. And apparently there was a deal that uh, Bean had in place um, with an NFC team. I don't believe he's mentioned the name of the NFC team. I'm double-checking my source uh, for this story here talking about it. No, he did not mention a specific NFC team, but he said that they had a deal in place with said NFC team for their second-round pick, which is number 61 overall. And the only condition was if Basham was on the board – they were not going to make the trade. But if Basham had been selected, they were going to make the deal, which would have most likely moved Buffalo back into the third round and gotten additional picks back, hypothetically a fourth, since Buffalo didn't have one of those this year because of the Stefan Diggs trade. So I don't know. Like uh, It's interesting Well, the Nuggets come out afterwards and the, the ifs and buts of what Brandon Bean could have done. Honestly, Jamie, the more I've thought about it, I know the Bills were one game away from the Super Bowl, and I know that fans really wanted Buffalo to shore up a pressing need. I'd be hard-pressed to come up with a bigger need on this roster than improving the edge rush, making Patrick Mahomes feel uncomfortable, getting after the mobile quarterbacks. And, you know, it's not like there's free agents that are sitting out there who can replicate what Basham and what Russo theoretically bring to the table. I know they're unproven commodities in the NFL level, but with what Russo and Basham have put on tape so far from their college careers, and it wasn't like they were playing at, you know, no offense to Fred Jackson, uh, co-college. They come from major powerhouses uh, that are competing you know, against really good teams and really good quarterbacks. So, to me, I get it. I see that there's an eye towards the future of 2022 and 2023, but I think Bills fans are going to be very pleasantly surprised with what Russo and Basham bring to this D-line. Well, if they can come out of the block strong, I'd be thrilled. I, I like that the the defensive line coach, Eric Washington, was spending a lot of time with them. It sounded like they were uh, doing a lot of studying in 
uh, rookie mini camp there. So nothing would be better if those guys could hit the ground running because wave upon wave of pass rushers will make you successful in the NFL. And especially, I, I want to point out, Jamie, you mentioned these wave upon wave of edge rushers. They're expensive. They don't come cheap. And you're going to have, especially with Josh Allen getting that contract extension, I know the fifth-year option was picked up for 2021, and he's going to get a lucrative long-term deal worked out. The Bills lose the luxury of playing with a cheap quarterback, with a quarterback on the cheap. That's how teams win these days. That's why the Chiefs, before the extension with Mahomes, were set up so well for success. That's why you covet that rookie quarterback like Russell Wilson when he was on his rookie deal winning the Super Bowl. Teams lose so much more of that flexibility when your quarterback is now making 40, 45, even 50 million dollars as Josh Allen could command uh, in this long-term deal. So with that being said, the more pieces you can get who are on similar rookie deals like Rousseau and Basham will be, the better it is for the cap figure. It's certainly good from a roster construction uh, point of view, specifically the salary cap uh, construction, because you're right. You always have to have an eye on the future. I guess I'm just of the mindset of go for broke because you're so close right now. You will never be in a position like this again because Josh Allen, man, when that extension comes in, that's going to be a huge chunk of the salary cap. So... I don't know, man. Um, do you think, Jamie, just to, to piggyback off that for a second, do you think that – let's start with Rousseau. And we broke him down a little bit in our post-draft recap pod. But do you think Rousseau, he of six foot six, two sixty six, I know some of his numbers at the Combine were not eye-popping, but then you look at his 15-and-a-half sacks and 19-and-a-half tackles for loss and the way that he just pushed around the lineman who tried to, to slow him down – do you think he has the ability to step in and be a valuable contributor this year? Or is he more of a 2022 guy while Basham could be more of an instant productivity this year? That's exactly the way I see it is that Russo, not only does he only have one year of college experience, but he set out this past season. And I think that has a lot to do with his terrible um, pro day numbers because they were terrible with the exception of his 40. They were bad. Uh, he he tested like a guy who can't move. Now, that's not what his game tape shows. Maybe it's just he wasn't training for it. But Boogie, Boogie Basham is a guy with a ton of experience, and he is a little more refined in things like his hand fighting. Now, he needs to get much stronger at the point of attack. He can get pushed around. But he is a guy who I think knows some more of the subtleties of the position that might put him in a position to be successful earlier than Rousseau is. Um, that said, you have to kind of be, you have to be careful about that. You don't want to put them in a position where they are competing against each other in a negative way. You want it to be a positive experience. You don't want it to be, you know, this is a, for our old listeners. You don't want it to be like Art Schleister and Mike Pagel being drafted by the Colts at the same time. <laughs> wow. That is that is a reference right there, buddy. <laughs> well, do you remember the Bills gave Art Schleister a tryout in the mid-80s? You don't remember that. You're way too young. <laughs> I mean, I remember Art Schleister, but it's way more for his gambling exploits than it was anything to do with uh, 
being a talented quarterback in the NFL. Oh, he was with the Bills for a preseason, and I think it was the Vince Ferragamo year. But, I, you know, it, 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 here's the thing, though, too, Jamie. I, you know, you mentioned competition um, with regards to these two uh, edge rushers that Buffalo uh, drafted in the first and second round. So there was a really good article that I'm punching up here that Jay Skursky from the Buffalo News put together where, I mean, look, there's, they're not going to come out and say, you know, I hate this guy. I want his job. I'm going to prove to be the alpha dog. But it was really interesting. They were both very complimentary of the other. And apparently they've really formed a, a pretty tight chemistry so far um, for the first of their rookie mini camps and throughout the duration of mini camp where they were talking about learning from each other, even learning the playbook and recognizing what schemes are in front of you and how you get to contribute. And it's, I think that's a real underrated edge that these two guys are going to have and that they're going through all of this together. And yes, they're going to be compared to each other unfairly because they're not the same type of edge rusher. There's definite differences. And you mentioned Basham needs to improve with his hand fighting, whereas Rousseau is really a more physical guy who can can push his way around and and get back into the backfield in a hurry. Um, Basham isn't, you know, isn't that guy, but I think Basham, what plays for him is he's got this ginormous chip on his shoulder. Uh, for those that don't know, he came out of Virginia's Roanoke Northside High School, and yet he did not get a single offer from any of the in-state powers, including Virginia or Virginia Tech. And he's really used that to motivate him throughout his entire career. He went to Wake Forest and got to terrorize Virginia and Virginia Tech quarterbacks during his career with the Demon Deacons. And I think that that's such an awesome part of Basham's game, that he carries that chip with him. He's that type of guy that wants to prove all the doubters wrong. And we know that Bean and McDermott love those types of players. That's a process guy right there, huh? So we wanted to talk about the state of the defensive ends. So just off the top of our heads, can we say that Rousseau and Basham are going to make the team this year? Is that is that a safe assumption? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think you're reaching a little now. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, there's no doubt that um, Rousseau and Basham are going to be amongst the guys who make the roster um, of the 53. And really, it's a numbers game because, so, all right, we ran through this the last time. Jamie, can you name all nine of the defensive ends currently on the Bills roster? No, I can name seven. All right, fire away, buddy. Besides, we got Russo and Basham. Russo, Basham. Uh, let's start with the guys who are definitely going to make it. You've got Epinesa, Jerry Hughes, um, uh, Mario Addison. They're definitely making the roster. And um, beyond that, you've got Efe Obata, who has a very good chance of making it because he was just signed. Daryl Williams, uh, Brian Cox Jr., and uh, that last one I can't remember. Mike Love. Mike Love is a ninth man. Oh, Mike Love. Right. So Former Bronco. You're, you're, and you bring up a good point, Jamie. So basically, the best case scenario for this D end position is they're going to keep six that's like the best for some of these borderline guys because we know that hughes and addison and russo and basham and aj epinesa are locks they are locks to be on this roster in my opinion and in your opinion in 2021 and that's five guys at defensive end who are 
a, a cinch to make the team. That's a lot of dudes for defensive. That is, that is definitely a high number. Um, the one thing I'll say that could be interesting to watch out how it goes is you could see a situation where Rousseau is, he, he technically is really solid when it comes to rushing from the interior of the defensive line, as opposed to your Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison's and Carlos Basham's who are more of an outside type of rusher. But I don't think that his skills Rousseau's would translate over to being more of a defensive tackle. He's purely slotted in at the DN position. So he has versatility in being able to rush inside, but he's not someone who can automatically switch to the inside position, like say a defensive tackle. That's asking a lot of a rookie to learn two positions in the NFL. And and don't forget, he's only had one year of college experience. Yeah, he had that one year in 2019. He sat out 2020 because he has a mother who is immunocompromised and didn't want to bring any chance of getting COVID uh, into the family circle. Much respect for looking out for the family. But you're right, Jamie. He has that one year of college ball, and he's set at the defensive end. So assuming that those five are going to make the roster, there is always well, – we'll get to the whether which of the remaining four has the best chance – to make the roster, but do you think there's any chance, even though Bean has come out and point blank advocated that Mario Addison is a bill and he wants him to be on the bills. Do you think the bills could find a way to trade Mario Addison? I know if they cut him after June 1st, they could save about 3 million in cap space, but that doesn't seem like it's really worth it to me to take away from an area that needs a proven veteran to save 3 million. You could see a trade, but the trade is still going to cause dead cap money. And Mario Addison will be leaving a lot of that because he has guaranteed money this year. I I don't think you're going to see him traded. I I think he's a a lock to be on the team. Just financially, you're in a bind and you've got to keep him. If there's going to be a trade, it's going to be one of the guys that are more on the fringe of it all but Addison will be a Buffalo Bill in 2021. Do you think, Jamie, that that is uh, a fact that Addison will be a Bill in 2021 because of his actual contributions? Or do you think that uh, Bean and McDermott want another veteran where these youngsters like AJ Epinesa and uh, Russo and Basham can learn from? I'm going to take a cynical approach and say it's probably neither. It's probably a financial decision. Well, it's interesting because Bean has, and again, you're not going to do yourself any favors by disparaging a veteran. And from all accounts, Mario Addison is a really good teammate. He's someone that busts it on the practice field, and he's definitely got a good work ethic. He is a process guy, but it's almost like you wish if the Bills, and again, hindsight's always 20-20, but if the Bills really were this committed to the defensive end position heading into the draft, you almost wonder if there was any way they kicked the tires on doing a trade of Mario uh, before the draft or, you know, didn't they restructure his contract too? Yes, they did. And they, I believe what they did is they reduced the length of the contract in, in exchange for guaranteed money in 2021. So his contract was scheduled to run through 2022. They removed that year, but guaranteed money for this upcoming season. So effectively, if the Bills were to move on from Mario Addison, 
their cap would be impacted for two straight years because of kicking the can down the road, both this year and next year. And they'd be paying out, I'm reading this article here on The Athletic, there'd be a dead money charge of $7.5 million for a player who's not giving them anything on the field. So they're not going to cut Addison. They're not going to cut him after June 1st. They could trade him. But how much value is there going to be in a 34-year-old defensive end? I mean, it just, I think you're right. This is the last year that we're going to see Mario Addison uh, in a Bills uniform. And after this year, Jerry Hughes is a free agent too, because the Bills will lose both of their bookend edge rushers in Hughes and Addison. So knowing how much we at Believe love Jerry Hughes, knowing how much we enjoy watching him play and and being a very productive pass rusher, his win rate is extremely high, I believe top 10 in the NFL last year. What about Jerry Hughes? Jerry Hughes is your best defensive lineman. And at this point, we have to start talking about Jerry Hughes as a Bills Wall of Famer. He has been so consistently good for so long for the Buffalo Bills. That guy needs to have his name put up on the wall. And when you're looking at a guy with that level of respect, you want to keep him on your team until he has nothing left. And Jerry Hughes still has some He's got some good games left in him still, probably a couple of good seasons still. He hasn't really slowed down all that much. And as long as he's going to be one of the top pass rushers in the NFL, not in sack numbers, but in win rate, you keep him on your team. He is a valuable player, one that we both love, and one that is going to be utterly pivotal in the development of these young guys. Yeah, there's no doubt about it that Jerry Hughes is, and he's grown and he's matured too. I mean, I think we've moved past the days of there being the two sides of Jerry Hughes, where there's the one who would be a a ball-dominant wrecker who would get after the quarterback, and then there was the dude who would commit the boneheaded penalties and cost Buffalo you know, 15 yards for a late hit or yeah. uh, unnecessary roughness. I mean, I don't miss those days. Me, me neither, man. I mean, those would be deal. Those would be drive killers. You know, the Bills would be ready to get off the field, get the ball back on offense, and then Jerry would do something that Jerry would do, and it would keep a drive going, and the team would more likely than not score. Uh, at least it would feel like they would punish Buffalo by putting points on the board. I think, Jamie, that what Jerry Hughes – Jerry Hughes is criminally underrated, I feel like, across league circles. And I know people love to say, oh, he hasn't had a double-digit sack season since his first two in Buffalo, and he had, what, five and a half sacks last year. But his numbers and his game is so much more than just in sacks. It's it's in the win rate uh, for, for his pass. He wins his pass battles when he goes after the quarterback. He is somebody who just, you don't, you can't tell the whole story of Jerry Hughes by the sack numbers alone. No, no, you absolutely cannot. He also sets the edge against the run incredibly well. And one of my favorite things is when they have him covering running backs out on pass plays, you'll see Hughes running with a back 20 yards down the sideline and making a play on the ball. And it's like, how is this possible? How can this guy be that athletic? Love the guy. Love him. I should say we were speculating on uh, Jerry Hughes and where he ranks in the pass rush win rate. Number two in the NFL. Number two. Number two. Number two. 
ahead of J.J. Watt, ahead of Miles Garrett, ahead of Joey Bosa, only trailing T.J. Watt. And T.J. Watt had an otherworldly season. Oh yeah, there's there's no nobody's touching what T.J. Watt uh, did for the Steelers anytime soon with his his uh, his pass rush win rate on the outside uh, as an edge defender. But it goes to show that again, Jerry Hughes is polarizing because the sack numbers aren't there, but he's getting after the quarterback. He's beating his offensive lineman to a pulp and making life miserable. And you're right, he's really good in pass coverage, and he's a pretty darn good run defender too. So he's going to be on the roster. There's no doubt about it. Yes. Now, I have a question for you. Do you think drafting two defensive ends this past season is an indictment on what they believe is going to be the future for A.J. Epinesa? That's interesting. I, I feel like the jury is still out on Epinesa. I know he had a really strong couple of games down the stretch. I know he played really well against the Steelers and against the Broncos. And I know that uh, his his story is still untold, but the potential is definitely there. And I think that it's he's part of their future because you spent a second round pick on the guy unless you are an absolute flame out, somebody who you know shows no progress, somebody who shows that they're not part of uh, the team, that they're not contributing at all uh, with what they want to do. You know, you, you're not going to move on from somebody that quickly. I think AJ Epinesa's real test is going to come next year when Jerry's gone and Mario's gone, and he is the elder statesman uh, of the proven talent on this Bills roster at the defensive end spot. I mean, you think about it. If the Bills move on from Jerry Hughes and the Bills move on from Mario Addison next year, you're going to be left with third-year player A.J. Epinesa, Gregory Russo, Carlos Basham Jr., and that's it. I mean, that's it because the rest of the guys, Daryl Johnson is probably going to be cut this year. FAO, and we're going to get to these guys too, but FAO Bada had a one-year deal, I believe. Brian Cox Jr. is gone and Mike Love is gone. So, like, you're talking about your third-year player being the senior elder statesman on the defensive ends. I think the Bills are going to use this opportunity to groom him to be the one to take over for Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. And I think he's got the potential to do it. I think the potential is there. What we do have to keep in mind is while we're looking at the rookie minicamp that they were having, that is something that Epinesa didn't have the luxury of receiving last year. He was brought into the Buffalo Bills kind of cold because they couldn't have the off-season programs that they would typically have. And he was also told to change his body uh, by losing a bunch of weight. So he was playing... He was playing with a body that he was not used to and against competition that he didn't have as much of an adjustment period for. When he was a healthy scratch at the beginning of the season, I was incredibly concerned about the pick in general because you just can't waste a high draft pick. And, you know, I was worried that's what they were looking at. He looked like a guy who belongs in the NFL. I, I don't know if he's going to be a star. I think the jury's out on that. We we won't know until he has a full offseason and you know gets to know his lighter body a, a little better. Um, but I, I think they are probably banking on him taking a big step forward this year. Yeah, I think they I think they have to be. I mean, I think that the onus is on Epinesa to really validate and justify that second round pick. And I think that it's that you're right. You're exactly right for the reason why he struggled last year was not getting a full 
mandatory mini camp, not getting a training camp full experience. You know, everything was so abbreviated uh, due to COVID that this is really like his first time going through other than the games that he played last year. And I actually am really excited to see what he is able to bring because if you have a rotation in 2022 that features Epinesa, Russo, and Basham, I get pretty excited about that. It's young. It's athletic. They're all different types of uh, people and talents to bring to the defensive ends as well. And I think that's really going to be something that Buffalo is going to have to be on the lookout for, how those three gel. But AJ does have a lot of pressure on him, I think, in the future. But this year, he can kind of develop under the scenes because we know that it's Jerry and Mario who are going to be the face of this unit. I think that could really benefit AJ when it comes to his development. It could. Or having two new defensive ends on the roster could push him down the pecking order. We'll see. Yeah, it might be a one-year push, but I feel like I'm pretty convinced based on nothing other than intuition that the Bills are pretty set and pretty happy with Epinesa, Russo, and Basham, um, which means, Jamie, this pains me to say it, one of my... I know, your boy. My plant-my-flag guy, developmental prospect Daryl Johnson, I just don't see him... I don't, I don't, if it's me, I don't, the Bills aren't keeping six uh, defensive ends. If they did keep one, if you were forced to pick between Johnson, F.A. Obata, Brian Cox Jr. and Mike Love, make the case for the guy you would pick. I'm going to say that I would go with the guy who appears to be on the rise. Somebody who is lacking in experience, but is showing athleticism and a high upside. I'm going to end up keeping F.A. Obata. Because this is a guy who came through the same program as Christian Wade, and he actually made it to an active roster last year. I think that there's some serious athleticism that this guy possesses. Not that Daryl Johnson doesn't. He's an athletic guy, too. But I think that what we're seeing with the Bills this offseason is they are interested in guys with high ceilings more so than low or than high floors. I think F.A. Obata, if he can show that he's a good enough special teams player, he has a chance to unseat Daryl Johnson for the sixth position. I think they will keep six defensive ends. Yeah, I, I, I hate to agree with you, but I do. Um, now, there's always a possibility that somebody is going to end up on the injured list for the full season. I wouldn't be shocked if it's one of the two draft picks this year. Yeah, if if anyone were to get a red shirt year, I mean Rousseau would be the perfect guy because I think we've as we've covered Basham's more likely to contribute and be a productive member of the D-line this year and it might take Rousseau a little bit more time to adjust to the speed of the game. Uh we'll see what happens when it comes to injuries and how the offseason progresses. I do I like FA Obata a lot. I mean, I know he's he was extremely raw, and that's what happens when you come from a non-football-playing country and you get signed to that pathway program. I mean, you have to take your lumps. But you look at it, I mean, his hands have been tremendously improved. He's able to get after and beat the offensive lineman pretty quickly, and he's showing that he's made a lot of progress uh, from someone who really had an uphill battle to make an impression out there and, and get on a team's roster. The fact that he had what, four and a half or five and a half sacks last year is really impressive given how his baseline for uh, for talent, you know, he did not have much 
to to go off of. And yet he was able to really prove himself and make it off of that pathway program to become the first one to actually make an active NFL roster. Um, I, I'm rooting for the guy. And I feel like with the the money that they gave him on the one-year deal too, I, he's getting more than the, the veteran minimum um, to be in the Bills. So, I mean, I almost feel like that's going to give him, let's see, his figure, total salary. I'm looking up here on rumblings.com. He got a $300,000 signing bonus. Um, he got more than the NFL veteran minimum. Uh, a one million dollar base salary, half a million's fully guaranteed. He's got roster bonuses in here, so it's most likely a little more than one point five million for one season. Now, the difference between the the veteran minimum and one point five million is not that much. But read the tea leaves. I think that means Obata is going to be part of the team unless he completely implodes on himself. Well, eight hundred thousand of that is guaranteed for this year, so you got to think that they're probably going to keep that guy on the team or trade him. Yeah. Trading is an interesting thing to go with as well. If they were to, uh, to go that route, but I think Obata has a lot of potential and a lot of talent out there too. And, you know, getting a young edge rusher, uh, I know he's 28, but he's young in terms of football body. He's young right. in terms of his experience. So it's not like you're really signing a journey, a veteran journeyman. Who's, you know, he's young. He still has a lot of, He's lacking the tread on the tires, if you will, that a lot of older players uh, might bring with them. So, and he's versatile enough that he can play both inside and outside on the field. And and the DE position, I think he's just absolutely gonna, you know, really excel if he's given opportunities to in this four three. So, to me, even though I love Daryl Johnson and I've been singing his praises, he really hasn't done much with the opportunities um, that he's been given to present as a defensive end. So I would go reluctantly with my boy F.A. Obata being the next one up there. I am going to throw a caveat in there in that Johnson is considered a core special teamer and the Bills have shown that they will keep roster spots open for guys that they consider to be important to their special teams units. He could find his way onto the roster through that if the other guys on the roster end up being duds on teams. Duds on teams, band album, ready, called it, go. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we can probably agree that while they are players that could find a place in the NFL, that Brian Cox Jr. and Mike Love, despite Cox getting in some games this past season, they're probably just due to numbers isn't any likelihood that they're going to make the Bills roster. But they could find themselves on another team's roster on the low end or at minimum, depending on how they're doing the the practice squads this year, they may end up on that. Yeah, that's definitely a thing we've talked about with the Bills, the fact that they've been able to turn over the roster where now it's not the Bills hoping that someone else's cast off contributes right away. The Bills are going to have some NFL talent and good talent that they're going to have to say goodbye to in order to get down to the 53-man roster. And the defensive end spot is definitely going to have a lot of names to watch uh, as training camp as training camp comes around and as those difficult roster decisions are made. Jamie and I have taken our stab at keeping the uh, defensive end position. How many Buffalo will keep in 21? Is it five? Is it six? Which ones of the guys are going to stay? Which ones are going to go? We've given you our thoughts. We want to hear feedback from you as well on this topic. So please get involved with the pod. Uh, Comment on social media. Jamie is at the 
Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. You can also comment on our article on buffalorumblings.com. But let us know your thoughts on the defensive ends post-draft and who you would cut and who you would keep. We'd love to hear your feedback. Jamie, thanks as always for coming on and bringing the high energy, buddy. Your biggest fan is me, John Boccasino. Oh man, shucks, you flatter me. And that'll on that on that lovely note there, that'll put a nice little bow on our podcast here for Bill Leave, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Have a great weekend. We'll talk more Bills football next week. 